The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. Welcome back. And uh, today we have another return guest, uh, someone whose voice you'll know very well because you hear her at the beginning of every podcast that we do, and that is Lisa Rosser, a staff member of the Ethereum Society at the American headquarters in Los Angeles. Uh, she was here for a while, and we very much enjoyed having her here at the European headquarters. She did some wonderful work here. And she does a lot of invaluable work to promote the teachings. For example, she's a regular contributor to the Ethereum Society blog. But today, like all the speakers on this show, it's people who live these teachings or are aspiring to live these teachings in their lives. And she's going to be talking about an extract from a lecture by Dr. George King on the fourth freedom, enlightenment. The conscious mind... <coughs> likes to regard itself as the master. Uh, now, this is a habit which it has built up throughout the lives. It is no good dictating to this because you will lose. So, what we have to do is this, and this is a tip which many, many people have found they say to be good. We have to treat it as we would a fish. You know, when you catch a fish on a line, the first thing you do is let your reel go and let him take the line with him until he gets tired. Then you pull him in. Conscious mind is like this. You are not going to control it by any kind of force. The average person certainly can't. Because the more you try to force, the more it will put in, shall we say, devious thoughts. Thoughts, patterns of another nature. I think that the practice Dr. George King has given here is just fantastic on so many levels. I personally have found this practice to be quite amazing. It's very simple. It doesn't take a lot of time to do. And it also, I think, teaches us one of the most important lessons that we can learn, and that's how to gain control of our mind. And when I personally would first sit down and try to perform my spiritual practices, I would have the intrusive thoughts that Dr. King talks about. I would think about household chores that need to be done. I would think about what happened at work that day or what's going to happen the next day. I would spend time thinking about how much time I have to do the practices. <laughs> um, 
And so I wasn't making the best use of, of the time that I had set aside. And I would get down on myself about this. I was disappointed that I struggled so much to focus on a spiritual practice and focus my mind. And I found this quite strange because I could focus on a task during the day. I was able to pay attention in meetings. I was, you know, able to focus on the things that I needed to focus on. But as soon as I tried to quiet my mind, my focus was gone. And I just thought of everything except the spiritual practice that I wanted to think about. And when I heard this extract from Dr. King from the Fourth Freedom Enlightenment in a lecture, I realized that I'm not the only person to struggle with this. I'm just, in fact, one of those average people he was talking about who was not able to force their mind to do anything. And this was quite a realization for me that I had let my mind control me for many lifetimes. And as such, it's just going to take some time for me to take this control back. So now when I sit to do practices, I can sit and see where my mind goes. And when it drifts off, I let it go for a while, and then I gently try to bring my thoughts back to the deep breathing or the affirmation, as Dr. King had suggested. And sometimes this takes more time than I would like, but I never try to get, I try to never get down on myself or force my mind. And I have found that without fail, when I do take the time and perform this fishing line practice, instead of just jumping into the affirmation or mantra, whatever practice I'm performing, the practice is better. I feel more focused. I feel more calm. I feel more uplifted. And I just feel that I'm getting more out of whatever practice I'm performing because I've spent a little bit of time just focusing my mind. Also, as a side effect, I have found that this has been really beneficial in my day-to-day -day life, aside from when I'm doing my practices. I feel I'm better able to control any intrusive thoughts I have throughout the day. I remember when I first learned that thoughts are things and that a thought can be just as harmful as a physical act. And while this made sense to me, I thought it was horrible news. <laughs> How many times have I had a negative thought or been angry with someone or something, and I was concerned about how much harm I may have caused without even realizing it. And that made me want to start to control my mind so that I could stop having any kind of negative thoughts. And this is obviously much easier said than done, and it is still a struggle for me, but I think by practicing this fishing line practice, I am actually getting better even when I'm not just trying to perform a spiritual practice, it's throughout the whole day. I know that um, I have a very long way to go towards enlightenment, but this has helped me be more patient with myself and my thoughts. I'm more understanding of what my mind is doing and how I can control it a little bit better. So I thought I would share that, and I hope you all find this wonderful practice to be as helpful as I have. Thank you so much, Lisa. You know what I'm really enjoying, Darren, uh, Darren Ball, our producer, um, in, you know, in these various insights from different people who are living these teachings to different degrees in their lives, but all 
focused on doing so, is each one brings their own sort of hallmark. And I think Lisa brings mm. great honesty, uh, great self-honesty to the table here of the Spiritual Freedom Show. I think we should yeah. talk about the table of the Spiritual Freedom Show, what people bring yeah. to it. And uh, it's really welcome. And uh, I think that was a very helpful thing. What say you, Darren? Yeah, very helpful personal reflection, very honest. And I think it, you know, anyone out there who's experienced a similar kind of struggle in their own kind of beginning of their spiritual quest, starting to, you know, sit down and do these practices, but um, finding it hard to do that. I mean, it's. It, I think it's helpful and reassuring to know they're not alone, but there are practices that you can do. So you don't have to focus on what you can't do, but rather what you can practice in order to make progress, which is what I think she demonstrated here. I quite well. agree. And I I actually agree with her. I do love that practice of the, of the uh, you know, the, the fishing line. Um, we actually had got a fishing line on the video, the DVD that goes with Realize Your Inner Potential. Oh, yeah, we yeah. borrowed it from a very well-known radio presenter in Britain because he, he's a fisherman. None <laughs> <laughs> of us were. But, uh, it, you know, to, that was one of the, the, the kind of most lengthy film sequences in the whole thing, doing that. But and that's by the by. The point is, though, it, it, it isn't a good image. Whether you agree, whether you're a vegan, a vegetarian, that's not – it's just purely an image um, mm. that, that's very helpful. And this whole concept of being unforced, development, that the, the mind should cannot be forced, development cannot be forced, and on this path not even kundalini should be forced. It's an unforced development, but it still has to be nurtured and pressured without force. It's pressure without force. And of course, one thing, if you want to go above some kind of lower mind, the conscious mind or any aspect of it, and you want to go, you have to go above it in order to transmute it, if you like, or change it. You can't just fight it. Uh, at its own level. It won't, I've seen it over and over again. I've people come on, they've said, I can see this works. I can see this is the path. I can see I should do X, Y, or Z. Uh, they can see it intellectually with their conscious mind, and then they try to live it and something happens. And I've had people say to me, you know, I know what I should do, but I don't want to do it. Mm. Uh, that's quite honest of them, really. It and is, and I, I said, well, yeah. that if that's your only problem, you haven't got a problem. And they look at me amazed. And I say, because your higher self wants to do it. So all you have to do is contact your higher self. Then you will want to do it. And the path to that, of course, is through the spiritual practices and service and so on. And there'll come a time when you're in the very fortunate position. And I do regard it as fortunate. And I, I thank God that I've personally been in this position uh, for a long time which is that you actually, what you should do is what you want to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. You don't want to do every bit of it. Not all of it is enjoyable. And there can be a lot of problems, tests, challenges. You can get a lot of criticism. You can get a lot of unfair allegations. You can get all kinds of things happening if you're at the forefront of a great purpose. In fact, if you're not getting anything like that, you're not at the forefront of a great purpose. I'd be that definite. But essentially it's what you want and if you're in that position you're in a very fortunate position yeah absolutely i think it almost takes us back to the first show we had in this little sequence here which is happiness as pleasure versus happiness as meaning mm. and uh, you know the, the the real fulfillment that we get from uh you know the concern for the welfare of others helping others and living up to those personal ideals and i think it connects well with what you're saying there Indeed. Um, in, in terms of answering to our higher self and following that path exactly and this brings us to our comment, our question of the week, Darren. What do you have for us? 
Sure, I've got a zinger here for you, Richard, but before we get there, if you're tuning in for the first time, you can find out more about the Nine Freedoms, about Mars Sector 6, and Dr. George King by visiting our website, ethereus.org. That's A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org. And if you've got a question, even a difficult one, that you'd like to put to Richard, do share it with us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. So, Richard, we have one here as follows. This person says, I've been reading the website, listening to some of the podcasts. I'm open-minded, but my friends are more skeptical than I am. Maybe you can help. If someone asks you for evidence of life after death, what would you say to them? Um, well, I'm not going to say die, and you'll find out, because that, that's, <laughs> that isn't very constructive. Um, I, I'm in a slightly unusual position in that I've had contacts with quite a few people who have died, and they've proved it to me beyond all doubt that they are genuine contacts. Um, but you don't have to do that, by the way. I think there are various things that you can do. First of all, you can study a great teacher like Dr. George King, and there are some things that he says that we don't know for a fact, but we take it on, you know, because of his record and because he's proved himself to us, we take it as fact. And so you can follow a teaching without having any direct experience of it being true yet. But there again, there are things that can happen that do indicate this. And one is contact of one kind or another with people who aren't physically alive. And you can get that through psychic development, through clairvoyance, uh, through mediumship. If you decide to go down that route, even though I have gone down that route, I don't think it's an essential route for most people. But it's certainly one which will show this to you. And there are certain certain. Uh, rules, I would say spiritual rules about how you should use that if you do go down that route. It's not really for the purposes of maintaining emotional relationships with deceased relatives and so forth. That's not the primary purpose of it. And that shouldn't be the ongoing purpose of it. It might help in a bereavement. But overall, that's not what it's about. It's about becoming aware. Another way is through out-of-body experiences leaving the body. It's amazing how many people have had out-of-body experiences or even near-death experiences where people have met a great figure of light and they've temporarily, for perhaps a short period, technically died and then they've come back to their body. So you can study these things. You don't have to have done it yourself, but there is plenty of evidence of contact with uh, the, the deceased. My book, God's Guides and Guardian Angels, was written really mainly to show that mediumship works so that people could look at a higher medium than myself, such as Dr. George King. But there is a lot of evidence out there, and it, it is a real thing. And yes, of course, people will doubt it. You don't have to prove it to them. You only have to prove it to yourself. That would be my tip of the week, really, Darren. Great um, guidance, Lopi. With that. I think the, the examples that you have in the book, actually, God's Guides and Guardians, are a great um, kind of doorway for people to start to see all of these different types of evidence that you're talking about there and very helpful in that respect. Good. And Dr. King has lectured extensively on it and brilliant lectures he's delivered too. And brings us to the end of another podcast with the words we always close with, service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Thank you.